Isn't that good? Hey, uh, today as we wrap up our series, Letters for My Future Self, I want to talk about a letter I would absolutely write to my younger self. I would, and, and it's about one of the worst experiences I think you can have in life, and that is to wait. I mean, wait, waiting's painful, right? No, no one likes to wait, especially, especially if you feel like you're waiting on God. And of all the messages in this series, this is the one that is the most personal to me because I would say the hardest seasons I've had, the seasons I've been most frustrated and even mad at God are the seasons where I felt like I was waiting on God. And I began to ask questions of God that maybe uh, you're asking here today. I began to ask God, God, are you, are you hearing my prayers? Are you listening? Do you even care? Are you even out there? And the message today, it may not be for everyone, but the message today is dedicated to anyone here today that you're in a season of waiting. When, when I think about people waiting, I, I think about um, some good friends of ours that they're um, trying to have a baby and, and they cannot have a baby. I mean, just no matter what they do, it's just, it's not happening. I'm thinking about um, a, a member of our family who has um, an illness and they keep going to the doctor and trying to get answers and there's, there's no answers. And they are literally just in a season of waiting, waiting for healing. I'm thinking about a new friend that Jamie and I just made. Um, her name's Nika. She's 20 years old. She's from the capital of Ukraine, Kiev. And two months ago, Nika was in her home with her single mom. They're all alone. And a Russian missile hits 15 feet from her house and blows out all the windows. Now, miraculously, they were saved. But in desperation, as you can imagine, Nika's mom... Um, wanted her to escape, and so she put her all alone on a train from Ukraine to Germany. When she got to Germany, she got on a plane from Germany to Paris, from Paris to Mexico City, and in Mexico City, a 20-year-old girl all alone gets on a bus from Mexico City to drive to Tijuana. When she gets to Tijuana, she almost gets thrown in jail, and her godmother and her family live in Phoenix, and they came down and got her, and now she's a refugee here in Phoenix, and she has perfect English. She's the sweetest girl you'll, you'll ever be around, but here she is, and, and most days the family, when they leave for work, she's at home all alone by herself. She started coming to CCV, and we're, we're helping her as a part of our, our efforts with Ukraine, which I know so many of you have been involved in, and, but think about this. Here's a 20-year-old, and I just want you to see her picture because this is a real person, a 20-year-old, Nika. You know, what, you know what's happening in her life? She's waiting on God for everything. I don't know what you're waiting on today. I mean, you, you could be waiting on a job, a, a better business opportunity. You could be waiting on a marriage to get better. You could be waiting on a friendship to be reconciled. You could be waiting on, you know, you could be waiting on, on so many things. I mean, gosh, you could, you could just be waiting on a wayward child to come back home. You could be, 
here today and you feel like God's called you to something and it's really significant and here you are and nothing's happening and you're so frustrated with God? Hey, some of you here today, you know what you're waiting on? You're waiting on a house in Phoenix. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, good luck, right? Some of you, it's like, yeah, you're waiting. Some of you are just waiting on one good date. Just one. And you're not even being picky. You used to be picky, right? You had a list of like 37 things. Now your list whittled down to like three, right? You're like, I'm just asking for three things from a guy. You know, he loves Jesus, takes a shower every once in a while, and has a job. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> and you're still waiting. What I want to do today is I want to look at the topic of waiting from a biblical perspective. And I want you to see what's happening when you wait. And I'm just telling you, this message is just so crazy personal to me. Because I've just, had the, I've just had these seasons where I was so frustrated waiting. And what I've learned on this topic, it has been birthed out of seasons where I was waiting. And during those seasons, I wanted to turn to God's word and say, God, what do you have to say on this topic? And what's amazing is God has so much to say about waiting. Um, in fact, in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25, it says this. It says, the Lord is good to those who do what? Those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to seek God on the topic of waiting. And if you're here waiting, hey, lean in. God doesn't have you here by accident. He doesn't have any of us here by accident. But what I want to do with this topic of waiting is... I want to just show you a few things. And the first is this. When you open up God's word and you just look at this topic, here was my first major takeaway. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. It would be hard for you to find, and I couldn't find it, one hero in scripture that God didn't place in a pretty painful season of waiting. Isn't that good news? Can I give you a few examples? Joseph waited 13 years. He was thrown in a pit and then prison before he ever got promoted um, in Egypt. Joseph, 13 years. The apostle Paul, when a bright shining light and Jesus you know, transforms his life and calls Paul to go make a difference with his life, Paul waits 14 years before he ever takes his first missionary journey. David, I mean, King David, he's anointed king. He has to wait 15 years before he ever gets in the palace, becomes king. Abraham and Sarah wait 25 years for the promised child that God promised them. Moses waits 40 years in the desert before God takes him and, lead, and allows him to, to lead, lead the people of, of Egypt out, or Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Jesus, our example, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's our example. Jesus, when he's born and placed here on earth, he waits 30 years before he starts his public ministry, which means this today. If you're here today and you're in a season of waiting and God's making you wait, you're in good company. Does that make you feel good? No, not really. I mean, you're like, I'm still waiting. I know those other people did. But I mean, just understand, it should give you some semblance of something's not wrong, like you're not messed up. If you're waiting here today, you're an amazing company. 
And what I want you to hear today is I want you to hear something you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. And that is this. Waiting is a very normal part of the Christian life. It is. At the same time, here's, the, here's another truth. Waiting can be normal and painful at the exact same time. Anybody want to give an amen to that? Yeah, it's painful, right? I mean, you, you know what you never see in Scripture? Someone who's in a deep season of waiting, and they're going like, thank you, Lord, for letting me wait. Thank you, Jesus, for this long line, this traffic jam, for like, I don't get, you know, any, you know, I, Think, did anybody do this last weekend? You know what? You know what the bright side of the sun's getting blown out by the Dallas Mavericks is? Now we get to wait a whole nother year. Like, thank you. <laughs> Come on. No one likes to wait. That was a painful game, by the way. No one likes to wait. And most of the time, when we're waiting, we'd, re we'd relate with David. David, during one of his deepest, hardest, most painful seasons of waiting, in Psalm chapter 13, he uh, says this, verse 1, how long, Lord? Like, how long are you going to make me wait? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I mean, he is desperate. And for some of you, you can relate with that, because that's where you are with God. Hey, God, how long is it going to be? And by the way, if you've ever wanted to question God in the midst of your waiting, I want to tell you that's completely okay. If David, a man after God's own heart, is questioning God, you better believe you can question God too. I've questioned God. But at the same time, while, while it's okay to question God sometimes, at the same time, we need to not just question, we need to remember to trust him at the exact same time. Just, I mean, David's questioning God, how long, God? And then five verses later, read verse five, but I trust in your unfailing love. And what I love about this is it gives us a picture that you can question God in your waiting and you can trust him at the exact same time. And those don't have to be contradictory things. I know for me personally, I've questioned God and at the same time I've said, God, but I trust you. I know you're doing something. You're in good company if you're waiting. Here's the second thing I want you to see today. While you're waiting, God is still working. In fact, while you're waiting, God may be doing the greatest work he will ever do in your entire life. And when you study the heroes of scripture, what you see is while they're waiting, God has them in boot camp preparing them for what's next. Now, nobody likes going to boot camp, but sometimes we need boot camp, don't we? And you might say, well, gosh, I mean, what would God be preparing? Well, let me just say it this way first. While you're waiting, God is preparing and, and what, what would he be preparing? What, what, what could God be doing in your life while you're waiting that he could almost, that waiting provides the perfect you know, the platform for him to do this? Uh, let me tell you a few things God, God does. While you're waiting, God's often working on your competency so you're prepared for what's next. You know what the worst thing God could do in your life would be? He could place you in an opportunity or a season or hand you something that you can't handle because you're not prepared. That'd be the worst thing God would, could do for you. So what does God do? He often puts you in seasons of waiting so he can develop some skills and competencies. The problem is, you know what we think all the time and we're, we're, just, we're just too prideful. We think, I'm always ready. God, I'm always ready. I don't need any more preparation. God's like, really, look at you. <laughs> I remember being a little boy, and 
Oftentimes I'd go out with my dad and we'd, we'd, we'd shoot guns and, you know, target shoot and do other things. And I remember having this little pea shooter gun, you know, it was like a little BB gun. And my dad always had the big gun, like he had the 12 gauge. And I was like, I would always beg dad, dad, let me shoot the 12 gauge. Let me shoot the 30 odd six. Let me, and my dad's like, hey son, I mean, I was little. He's like, you need to wait and you need to develop some. And I would just badger him. Finally, one day, I think just to teach me a lesson, he's like, go ahead, take a shot. I mean, I shot this gun one time. You've ever seen those, those uh, videos where someone just like flies backwards, you know? I mean, I think I broke my, I almost broke my shoulder, you know, this little kid. And I think my dad was like, lesson learned. You know, it's like, sometimes this is us, right? We think we're ready and God and his great love for us is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey God, I want to be in a leadership position. Whoa, hang on, Trigger. Like, you're not quite ready. And I'm not going to place you in somewhere unless you force it. And if you force it, and some of you have been there, you fail. God's like, let me develop you first. Hey, God, bring on this massive business opportunity my way. God's like, I need to develop your financial skill sets first so you can actually handle it. God, bring me a man. Bring me a, ma a good man. Nervous laughter, because that's where some of us are, right? Bring me a woman. Bring me a man. What if God, in his great love for you, is saying this? That man you want me to bring that you have in your mind, that dream man, do you understand if I brought him right now, he wouldn't be interested in who you are right now? What if God wants to make you during the season of waiting into the person that you're looking for is actually looking for. Come on, I'm up here preaching like that. Come on, like that. Somebody, somebody, that's what you need to hear today, right? Is God's just has you in a season of waiting and you're fighting it and he's just trying to develop you into the person so when you actually meet the person that you want to meet, they actually want to meet you. Like that's what God does. Here's, here's another thing God does. God doesn't just develop our competencies. He really develops our character, right? He's developing our character so you won't fail at what's next. Um, I'm a student of leadership. I love studying leadership. And I used to think this, character is what makes you a leader. Did you know that's absolutely not true? Now hang with me. How many of you know someone that has unbelievable character and they're not leading Jack? We all do. How many of you know someone that has unbelievably low character and they have all sorts of influence right now? Yeah, you're like, I work for that person. <laughs> character doesn't make you a leader. Listen, character sustains you as a leader. And what happens is sometimes our competency takes us to places that our character can't sustain us. And this is why we see leadership failures over time, because over time, your character always comes out. But character just sustains you as a leader. And, and I just think God wants to, to develop us. He really does. And the, the perfect example in Scripture to me would be Saul and David. Saul, you know, they both have some competency. Saul's thrust into to being king over Israel, Israel's first king. But his competency takes him to a place his character can't sustain him. And he, he fails miserably. David, on the other hand, David is anointed king but waits 15 years. What's God doing? He's developing David's competencies, no, no doubt, as a leader and a commander. But God's developing David's heart. 
his character as a man after God's own heart so that when he gets into being king over Israel, David lasts, he sustains, he has the character to do it. And that's why David, later on, he writes this in Psalm 135, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his, what? what, what is it? In his word, I put my hope. What is David doing while he's waiting? He's, he's diving, he's getting into God's commands, his word, his law. David is developing his character. And this is what allows him to, to get through this painful season of waiting, but, but to last as king, as, as Israel's greatest king. And if you're waiting on God, I just want to encourage you, let God develop your character. Ask God, God, what do you want to do inside me? God, what, what sin do you need to deal with? God, who, who do I want to become? Because remember, God doesn't want your talent to take you where your character can't keep you. Let me say that again. God does not want to take your talent, and some of you are so talented. God doesn't want your talent to take you to a place where your character can't keep you there. So God puts you in seasons of waiting and says, I'm going to develop your character during this season. What else does God do? Here's, here's something else God does. God's often working not only our competency and character, he's working on our dependence. Why? So that you trust more in him and less in you. Now understand, one of God's greatest desires in your life is that you would lean more in dependence on him and not just on you. And for some of you, that's hard because you want it to all be on you. And you've been trying to do it all on your own. And you know, maybe there's someone here today, you'd, you'd say this when it comes to kind of the, the, the waiting on a, on a good date. You know, you're like, I've been doing everything. I'm on, I'm on every dating app. I check out all the good bars in Phoenix, right? I've been going to the gym every week to get my body looking good. I even bought new clothes so I could show off some more skin to get a little more attention, and I flirt with every dude in sight, and all I'm attracting is losers. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, God, I just give up. I've done, I've done everything I know how to do. I give up. You gotta come through. And I think God's up in heaven going like this. Finally, I've been waiting on this forever. See, you, you, God's like, you keep doing it your way, and I'm just waiting on you to depend on me to do it my way. <laughs> what if in your season of waiting, God is developing your dependence more on him and less on you? I think that is one of the most beautiful places to be in life. I love how Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter five. He says this, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Woo! Yeah, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Why? Because he goes on to say this in the message translation. <laughs> With less of you, there's more of God. Oh, isn't that good? And, and again, for some of you, you just fight it. You're like, that's great, God, but just do something. Like, make something happen. You're not doing anything. It's all about doing for you. And I just want you to understand something about God. In his, and he is so much bigger than we are. God is far more interested in who you're becoming than what you're doing. 
I mean, God is far more interested in what you're becoming than what you're doing, and he will use a season of waiting to develop you and your dependence on him. You know, when I look at my life and the seasons of waiting I've had, I think God has developed all three of these things. He's been developing my competency, my character, and my dependence to trust on him a whole lot more. I'll just give you one example. Um, In my early 20s, I... It was in my mid-20s. I, I felt God's call into ministry, and I, I felt like I was supposed to go spend the rest of my life serving the local church. And it was God calling me to this. I mean, it was so, one of those clear callings on my life, and I knew what I was supposed to do. And so my, my personality is like, all right, God, let's go. Let's do this, right? Let's make things happen. And God had the audacity, the nerve to sit me on the sidelines for almost four years you ask my wife, Jamie, it, is, it was one of the most difficult, painful, I was so frustrated, mad at God, questioning God, what are you doing? You called, you're the, I wasn't on, I didn't do this, you called me to this. And you're gonna sit me on the sidelines? You're lame. I mean, I was mad. By the way, in hindsight, I, I now realize now, and by the way, this is, this is the story of most people in scripture, God can call you to something and then put you in a season of waiting before he he puts you in it. It happens all the time. And what's God doing? He's developing you. And when I look back on that really difficult season of four years, let me tell you what I know with 100% certainty now. God was developing my competency. I grew in my leadership more in those four years than maybe any other time in my life. I would not be able to do what I'm doing today, helping lead our church, if I didn't have that season of waiting. That's what's on the line. God was developing my character. Very transparently, I had some ingrained sin in my life that had gotten lodged in me, and God used that season to begin stripping out the sin in, some sin in my life and developing my character because I don't wanna be a flash in the pan kind of leader. I wanna, have, I wanna be the leader that has the character to go for the long haul, and that's what God wanted. So he's began developing my character, and God began developing my dependence on him. During those, those almost four years of, of waiting, Jamie and I began to do some radical things with our finances, and we began to give uh, more generously um, to our church than we ever had in our lives, and God just called us to, to get radically generous, and in that season, we saw how faithful God is and he just, he just developed our dependence on him to where now we are so trusting of God now. Our dependence is so much bigger on him. And I'm so thankful for the season. Was I thankful when I was in the waiting season? Not a chance. But this is where we have to be careful and not fight God. Not fight him so much because we'll miss what he's doing. And for someone here today, please just, please just let this sink in. A waiting season is never a wasted season. It's never a wasted season because God often wants to do something in you before he can do something through you. This is how God operates. Let me tell you something else God does. He doesn't just remind us that we're in good company. He doesn't just use waiting seasons to prepare us. Another thing when you study scripture, this is undeniable, is God's delays are not always God's denials. 
And for someone here today, I'm telling you, 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 you've just experienced a delay and you think God's done with you. And I wanna tell you, that is 100% not true. Just because God's delayed does not mean it's a no. It may just be a not right now. For very specific reasons of what God wants to do in your life while you're waiting. The story of Abraham and Sarah is the perfect example of this to me. God promises Abraham and Sarah a child because he's going to use their family lineage to develop him into a great nation, the greatest nation on earth. And what, what happens next? <laughs> Abraham and Sarah can't get pregnant. They, they go through infertility. Now, God has promised to develop them into a great nation, and now they're aging out of like childbearing ages, right? Do you, don't you think that Abraham is looking at God going, Hey, you promised something and we can't even have one child. What is up with you? They they get so frustrated, they take things into their own hands. Sarah, this is like a soap opera. Sarah has Abraham sleep with another woman, Hagar, to have a child. And that that situation becomes a thorn in their side for, for the rest of history. Which means this, that sometimes in your waiting, when you get so frustrated with God that you decided to take things in your own hands, that can be destructive. But God finally, like he, his promise doesn't fail. It may be delayed, but he's not gonna deny Abraham. He finally tells Abraham and Sarah, you're, you're now gonna have a child. And you know what Sarah does when she finds out God's gonna fulfill his promise? <laughs> Genesis eighteen twelve. she laughs at God. You, you ever laughed at God because he's, he's so late? Sarah's like, I, I'm an old woman. Abraham's old too. She laughs. What's, what's God's response? Verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, hey, why did Sarah laugh? Sarah tries to play it off. I didn't laugh. God's like, yes, you did. And watch what he says next. And this may be why someone's here, to, here today. God says this, is anything too hard for the Lord? You know that thing in your life that you've been waiting on that it just seems way too hard and God's way too late and it's over and done with? Is there anything too hard for our God? No. And be reminded of that today, that just because things are delayed doesn't mean that God's denying you. Later on in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15, it says this about Abraham. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God promised. And I think that's a great verse to memorize for someone here today because you need to be reminded over and over again, I gotta wait patiently. I gotta wait patiently because God's promise is still coming. It's still coming. And if you circumvent your patience, you could neglect or negate God's promise. What is God calling you to wait patiently on today and depend on him? Whatever it is, I want you to know you can wait patiently, but it can still be painful. And I want to show you the story of a real-life couple at CCV that had to wait through a very painful season of waiting, and I want you to hear their story. Watch this. We always joked we wanted to have a family of 10 kids. You know, you just envision, you know, holding your child and, you know, Grow, having them grow up and going to, you know, sports uh, games. And whenever those dreams are taken away or those visions, it's just, um, it's, a, it's a very tough journey from there. Infertility is like 
applying for the job of mother and father each month. You apply and, um, you know, you go in with so much excitement and hope and, you know, this is going to work. And then it ends in failure and disappointment and hurt. I think after, you know, two years, there was, there was a point where we're starting to lose hope. I mean, we were given a diagnosis of unexplained infertility. So even the doctors weren't able to kind of help us. It was, they weren't sure why, you know, things weren't happening. And they also told us that we had a less than 5% chance. It was hard to stay hopeful during that time. And I think just losing hope was the hardest. And it's not a good place to be, but I think that turnaround was when, you know, we started sharing with our neighborhood group and our family and our friends our struggles. And that's where we were, you know, able to regain hope. We knew we needed to trust God because it was out of our control, but the more heartbreak and failure and disappointment we experienced, it was exhausting because we just kept working hard. We read books, we talked to people, we listened to podcasts, and it just didn't make a difference. And we knew it was out of our, out of our hands, out of our control, and it was, it was God's timing. So Hadley Ann Riggs was born on um, 4422. We were hired as mom and dad in that role of that job of parenthood. So we finally got the job. Um, it's a lot of hard work. It's worth every single second of it. And you know, nights when it's 3 a.m. and you're just rocking her and she doesn't seem to want to go to sleep and her eyes are wide open, you know. It's rough, but you can still see, you know, God's blessing and think of that right then and there. So. There's a reason they make them so cute, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I learned to be more compassionate to others and, and to be able to come alongside somebody else when they're going through tough times. I think I would have been more vulnerable or, or sought help sooner. Um, I think my male brain kicked in and you know I just wanted to fix it. I wanted to absolutely fix it, but it was something that was that I couldn't fix. And it was kind of like a jigsaw puzzle where the pieces just don't fit. And that can be very frustrating for me. And so learning to channel those emotions as, as, a, um, as a guy can be tough. And I also learned how to be a better husband, I think, and how to communicate and really support her and really support, support her from an emotional standpoint. If I were to write a letter to my younger self, um, I would first start out with that I love being a mom. And to not fear, because she is the greatest blessing. Those dark moments of infertility, we were tested in faith and you know, we knew that it was going to be worth the wait and that, you know, he had a plan. So when you can see kind of his plan come to fruition, um, you just gain that much more confidence and trust in God, knowing that you can get through anything.
powerful. Yeah. Uh, I want to I acknowledge that that's a couple on the other side of their weight. And there's a nice bow wrapped around that story, isn't there? But some of you are in the middle of your weight. And what I've found is, is infertility is one of the hardest weights you can go through. We've had friends that we've walked through those seasons with them, and it's been so difficult. And I want to say that not, not every weight ends with a pregnancy. But every weight can end with increased dependency on God. And sometimes that dependency can, can lead you in some different good directions. You know, we've, had, we've had friends that have adopted, and it's been amazing. We've had friends that have just continued to trust, and you just, you just have to trust that God is still working while you're waiting. And as I was writing this message, I, I realized for the first time, I, I think there's two postures you can take while you're waiting. Here's the two postures. You can either endure the wait or you can embrace the wait. I don't know about you, but I, you know, enduring, ugh, fine. I've never really learned a whole lot just enduring something. Embracing something, and I've learned a whole lot. In fact, uh, this past weekend, my daughter, uh, oldest daughter, she graduated from college, and we were in California celebrating her graduation. And uh, to celebrate with her, we, we decided to, to take her to Disneyland the next day, and the whole family came along. It was a nice graduation gift for her, and we saved up for it, and it was, it was a really great thing. We were all excited, and a lot of the family was really excited because some of them had never been on the new Star Wars ride, and they were so excited about this new Star Wars ride. I think it's called Rise of the Resistance or something like that. I'm not a big techie, okay? But you know, we were going to the Star Wars ride. We got to Disneyland at 8 a.m., right when it opened, and we were going to stay at Disneyland till around 11 p.m. or midnight that night. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we go straight to the Star Wars ride. It's, it's the one everyone wants to go to. We go there, big sign up front, 60-minute wait. We're like, oh, you know, it's probably normal for that. So we get in line. We wait, we wait, we wait, we wait, we wait. I'm not a good waiter. Okay, and we're five minutes from the front of the line. We're almost on. We can, like, we're right there. And someone gets on the loudspeaker, right? Uh, Star Wars ride is now closed. We are having technical difficulties. We're not sure if it'll ever open in the history of mankind. You know, you know, bye. That's what I heard, right? So we're debating, like, should, should we keep waiting or should we get out of here? You know, I'm kind of like, let's get out of here. But we decided to wait. We have no idea how long we're going to have to wait. So we're sitting there waiting, but we decided to embrace the wait instead of just enduring the wait. Now, this wasn't me. I didn't make that decision. This is more on my wife. She's like the sweet one, right? So she's like, she went to her sister who's really creative, Shauna. She says, Shauna, let's play a game while we're waiting in line. So Shauna came up with this really cool game she, she'd known. You literally take a water bottle, you stick it between two people, and it's a contest. It's like someone goes head, shoulders, knees, and then and they can keep going up and down until they say cup or bottle, and the first person that grabs the bottle wins, and then it's a big contest. You know, all 28 of us, we're going to go to see who the champion was. So we are, I mean, you, we were cracking up playing this game. In fact, there was probably 50 to 75 people around us that were like joining in, cheering, you know, it looks like they're taking side bets, like I got him, you know, and everyone, we're, we're having the best time of our life. And after two full hours of waiting, total, we finally got on the ride. 
I, I almost took it. I was like, let's leave. And we finally got on the ride and we, we did that game and it was, like, it was really fun. We spent the rest of the day at Disneyland going on all the rides, all the food, right? All the fun. I think we left at 11 p.m. Some people left at midnight. I mean, it's a full day at Disneyland. Monday, I'm writing this message and I was just curious. I texted the group and I said, I said, hey, just, just respond. Of our, of our whole day at Disneyland, 15 hours. Some of you been there. Do I still look tired? Okay, 15 hours. I said, what was the most fun memory, your favorite memory of the whole entire day? You know what almost everybody said? The game we played waiting in line. That was everyone's favorite memory. Think about this. Our favorite experience was during our worst wait. What I want you to hear is the same thing can happen in your life. That you may look back and say, God, you did your greatest work during my worst wait. If you'll embrace the wait. And I've got to the point now, and I'm still learning, I'm still growing, but when I'm waiting, I almost go to God and I'm like, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you doing? Like, tell me, because I feel like the quicker I do it, maybe the faster I can get out of this wait, right? What, what are you waiting on? I don't know what God's doing in your life, but I know this. If God's making you wait, you're in good company. You're in good company. While you're waiting, God is still working. And God's delays do not mean God's denials. Will you embrace the wait? If I was writing a letter to my younger self, I would absolutely say, Ashley, this is gonna be really hard to hear, but you need to learn to embrace your waiting seasons because God will do his greatest work if you'll let him. And I wanna pray for anyone here that's in a waiting season today. Would, would you pray with me? God, I know this is, a, this is a message that is hitting someone here because they're waiting. And I pray in their waiting that you remind them this is not a wasted season. This may be the season where you do your greatest work. Would they embrace it and ask you and ask others around them, God, what are you doing? What are you preparing them for? Help them grow in their competency, character, and dependence on you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, stay where you're at for just a minute. I wanna update you on a couple things. One, speaking of waiting, there's so many kids and students waiting on our CCV summer camps this summer. And I told you our goal this year was to blow it out. Um, we wanted to send 10,000 kids and students. And to, to date, we have 9,293 kids and students signed up to go to camp. And uh, we're, we're, we are praying for a revival. And we lowered the costs of all of our camps, especially for high school, as, as many of them, they've had a really tough season. And, and this is our last chance to impact them. So many of you have given to camps. I want to thank you because you're helping us send these kids and students. Our goal was $3 million. We've raised $2.7 million to date. You can still give, but here's what I want to ask you most importantly, pray. Pray for these kids and students because God is going to do something miraculous with the next generation, and we're going to see them transform for Jesus. So I want to thank you for that, being a praying church. Thank you for that. Um, I want to let you know that next uh, weekend we start a brand new series on the book of Colossians. It's going to be really powerful. I hope you bring someone with you. And four weekends from now is Father's Day. 
And we have invited a former Major League Baseball player, Daryl Strawberry, to come speak uh, to us. It's going to be, if you've never heard his story, strap on your seatbelts. Bring someone with you. It is a crazy story of God transforming someone. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Hey, I can't wait to see you next weekend. Until then, embrace the wait. Have a good one, CCV.